my chatty Kathy talking chatty chit chat weirdos. This is mini gabs with many gabs, it's a little mini ones for the many ones. Welcome, my name is Natalie, and I'm Kina. Yay, welcome, welcome, welcome. Yay, here in a little bit, Carrie will join us and we'll probably quiz her and bug her about more stuff. And I'm so glad to see her after so long. It's so fun that you can know somebody as like little tiny human self and then you both grow up and you're both like, hey, you're cool. No, you're cool. And then you're like friends again. It's really fun. I know because I really I really thought I was out of her league in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> it was I don't like confrontation and I'm still kind of like that. But now I do have the like I will tell you to fuck off if you pass <laughs> enough. Um, mm-hmm. It would be like, I'm sorry. And then I'll just go hide under a rock. Carrie was just also just this awesome girl that just was like, no, you, you're going to fuck off because you're picking on my friend or she was Murray. You're Murray, basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In the best way possible. <laughs> and so just to reconnect with her, it's just been amazing. So what have you discovered? All right. I stumbled on this and I, I don't even remember where, but I was like, oh, so why they put potatoes on Frederick the Great's grave. And that headline just stuck out to me. So here we go. Sounds good. <laughs> it says, it's from the mightyheaton.com. So I'm just going to read this article because it's good. So it says, you might wonder, why have all these people been putting potatoes on top of Frederick the Great's grave? Before we get to the whole potato <laughs> grave thing, presumably why you came here, we ought to talk about per- or Prussia, not Persia, <laughs> different places. <laughs> <laughs> Prussia. Geography is hard. Geography is hard. Anyway, so uh, yeah, Prussia. Woo. The only state in the history of the world to be abolished by the United Nations. For most of its <laughs> history, Germany was a combination of several German-speaking countries, which continually swapped territory and wars between their kings and dukes. As far back as Cardinal Richelieu in the 17th century, the French recognized that if the German-speaking folks in their east ever quit squabbling and got their act together, France would have an even bigger problem on its hands than those pesky British, which is exactly what happened. That stage was set in large part by Frederick Wilhelm, or Wilhelm, the soldier king. He loved military parades and drills and even tried to breed his own special regiment of tall soldiers called the Potsdam Giants, which also sounds like a terrific baseball team. This is the article, not me. I don't sports ball. He was so enthusiastic about breeding his own regiment of super tall Europeans that he indicated to talent scouts that he was okay with kidnapping reluctant but tall men. Oh, that's not a good look, dude. <laughs> when, when he was ill or particularly depressed, he would order a couple hundred servicemen to parade through his bedroom until he felt better. Man, isn't that the life to just be like, entertain me, plebs. Walk through my room with your super tallness. Well, no, then you'd be like lying you're like, are you not entertained? <laughs> I'd be in a job, though. I think I'm, I'm a girl. He probably doesn't want girls. Oh. I'd probably be a witch. You're too tall, witch. Burner. <laughs> you'd be used as the stake, not like the <laughs> witch to you. <laughs> oh, oh. All right. So by the time <laughs> of his death, one of every nine Prussia men were in the army, not including 40,000 mercenaries. In addition to his militaristic bent, Frederick Wilhelm also aimed to inject a decent worth ethic into Prussia. He used to wander around Berlin with a cane beating people he thought were acting lazy. 
Oh, crazy eccentric old man. That's amazing. Uh, and then he would deliver his rallying cry, quote, Prussia needs you now. And then he would just whack them over the head with a stick. So fantastic. And then he would lecture them about how they ought to be knitting or that young men should be marching or taking guns apart and putting them back together instead of sitting around playing cards. So idle hands and whatnot. If a minister spent more than an hour preaching on Sunday, it was considered excessive and the preacher would be fined. <laughs> oh, he would hate Southern Baptists. Oh, they just keep going and going. On one occasion, a peasant saw him and ran the opposite direction. So he chased him down and asked him why he ran away. (laughs) When the man replied that he was afraid of the king, he shouted, quote, you should love me and then beat him senseless with the king. (laughs) Why don't you love me? That sounds like a a horrible stalker kind of movie. (laughs) It does. Oh, God. On top of his belief that the whole of Prussia should be in a constant state of workaholism. Man, I said that weird. Workaholism. Frederick Wilhelm was immensely frugal to the point of selling the royal yacht and firing all of his court musicians. Sometimes he thought a woman was dressed too extravagantly on the street. He would rip off her clothing. Uh, For kicks, he wrote a manual for literally every single civil servant in Prussia detailing what their exact duties were. So he sounds like a really fun guy. He was also a trick dad. While the soldier king never actually declared war on anyone, it was too expensive. He wanted Prussia to be in a constant state of ready to fight. So he groomed his son, also Frederick, to grow up as a great military strategist. This was slightly problematic because his son wanted to be a flautist. (laughs) No, dad, I want to be a musician. You got rid of them all. No, I wasn't. Even now. (laughs) So he forbade the prince from flute playing. And I guess the uh, shame flute as well, if he wasn't good. I feel like this guy (laughs) would have really dug the shame flute. Like, because he didn't like laziness. If he didn't practice enough, shame. So not only did the son keep on fluting, flouting. Oh, it says in parentheses, the most rebellious thing teenagers could do prior to the invention of cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he convinced his tutors to get him a secret library of poetry and Greek and Roman classics for shame. And his father objected on the grounds that they weren't neither military strategy or math. He sounds like rainbows and butterflies. Fun time. Good military upbringing is what King Frederick had in mind. Each day, the young prince awoke to the sound of a cannon going off outside his window. <laughs> At the age six, the king gave him his own regiment of children to drill and order around. Strangely enough, the prince didn't particularly like this parenting method and decided at the age of 18 to flee the country to England. They were quickly caught, and then they were brought back to the enraged king. He debated executing his kid for the grounds of treason, or at least disowning him, but ultimately settled for a lesser punishment of forcing his son to watch his accomplice be decapitated in front of him. Oh, that's not funny. I shouldn't have laughed at that. I thought it was going to be funny. (laughs) It took a turn. (laughs) I'm laughing at her reaction. (laughs) So Frederick's staunch upbringing seems to have actually paid off because he ended up becoming a gifted tactician and strategist. He personally led his armies and had not one, but six horses shot out from underneath him. Holy shit. That's terrifying. And poor horses. 
Utilizing the frugal and battle-ready army his father had developed, he proceeded to effectively wage war and expand his territory that Prussia went from being the Vermont of Europe to a fearsome great power. A few years later, Otto von Bismarck would be able to dominate other German kingdoms beneath the rule of Prussia, uniting them all under the Kaiser in Berlin, hence the grand strategist and premier Flautus would become known as Frederick the Great. So, potatoes. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. All right. So the Potsdam is basically the Windsor of Germany is outside of Berlin and it became a romping ground for royal family. Hence it is covered in potatoes. Oh, palaces, not potatoes. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so sorry. Everybody watching. Okay. Get it together, Kina. Hence it's covered in palaces, including two which Frederick the Great had constructed for himself. Following World War II, the Allies were going to meet up in Berlin to discuss the partition of Germany, but upon arriving, discovered that they had already reduced it to a pile of rubble and instead went to Potsdam, which was hardly bombed at all. One uh, was Frederick's summer palace and ultimately the site of his burial. Frederick had never been particularly fond of his wife, and so instead of electing to be buried alongside her, he chose his greyhound dogs instead. So, if Zeke does that, I swear to God, I will haunt his ass. Like, I don't want to be buried by Ruger. I'm going to be buried by Ruger. Fuck that. Among his many accomplishments, Frederick the Great also happened to introduce potatoes into Germany. He thought they were a great idea and made a big production out of it by eating potatoes and smacking his lips enthusiastically at state dinners. Sometimes, when not fighting Austrians, he would visit towns and pass out the potatoes. His endorsement worked, the potatoes became a staple crop, and uh, people didn't starve to death. But my favorite story that is not included on this is that people talking about a drought. He's like, everybody has to grow potatoes. Everybody's like, don't tell me what to do. I don't want to do that. So he was like, fine. So then it was the best example of... Oh, crap. I almost said reflexology. What's that thing when you say something but mean something else? Psychology. Re- something. Oh, shit. Help me out here, somebody. Reverse psychology? Is reverse psychology. This is the best example of reverse psychology, not reflexology. That is feet. I don't even know what that is. What uh, you just- it's feet when you, like, push on your foot and it, like, helps your lungs or something. Okay. It's, it's a thing. Just go with it. Anyway, so reverse psychology. He was like, you're not allowed to have potatoes. So he like grew a bunch and he put a big fence around it and hired guards, but he hired them to turn a blind eye. So every time somebody was still a potato, they would act like they didn't see it. So people wanted it because they couldn't have it. So in turn, he kept people from dying by just being like tricking them into thinking they're smart and they can actually be stealthy. Okay. So now everybody's like, oh, he saved everybody from famine. And then they need some <laughs> potatoes. I approve. It just makes me think, like, they just need to put a little potato garden over his thing. Vanilla heat is back. Oh, okay. Oh. What? Yes. What's going on? What did I miss? Potatoes. Okay. Potatoes. But not palaces. Oh, you really had me confused there for a I minute. Mean, too. Yeah. It's fine. And then there was an alarm going off in my house. and. <laughs> well, uh, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I got my stuff. I got my sticker and my little button. Oh, yay. (laughs) So when I first opened the little envelope, it says history lesson. It is never aliens. Historical Mm -hmm. AF podcast. And so when I first opened the envelope, I thought it said history lemon. 
And I was like, I have no <laughs> idea what a history lemon is. I don't know what that reference is. And so all day I've been like, I need to ask them what that means. I was excited to ask you guys. And then I looked at it again right before I sat down. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> so dumb. <It's> embarrassing. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure lemons have a fascinating history too. We'll get Probably. into it. I know. I, know. I now want to Google it. See if there's <laughs> it's funny. So, what did you discover in the library world? I don't know if you've heard about what's going on in Missouri, but it's kind of oh, crazy. Yeah. No bueno. <laughs> it's it is it is crazy because I'm someone that I don't want to censor kids like it's not my job to tell a kid not to read something it's the parents if you think your child isn't emotionally or mature enough ready to read something then that's your job not really mine mine is just to provide the information it's the parents job to tell them that they're not to that's in my opinion and um but apparently in missouri they're trying to get that banished where a librarian could go to jail or get fined if you give them let a child check out a book that is not worthy or like the parents think not ready that is so like, such a slippery slope because who decides what's it, it oh it just makes me so mad i know and like what do you deem it like is it, is it like just kissing or like a little bit of language or and is it or is it gay and because you know oh, yeah probably that being like super popular well even like Anne frank is banned from most places because she talks about masturbation in like one sentence like mm-hmm. she's curious or something and it's like burn the book oh, crazy i feel um, like moral decisions need to be happen inside the home and like that's not a society issue that's a mm-hmm. that's an inside your house issue and pushing that off onto society i don't know well i'm not your babysitter yeah. Yeah. I, I think parents treat us like that, but I'm not. That's not what I'm there for. <laughs> and on like the Washington Post, they this was last month that they did this. So like a little rundown is they want to create a parental library review boards. So basically, the community will get parents to talk about what should be in the library. And library personnel could be fined up to $500 or jailed up to a year if they willfully violate any provision of the legislation should it become law. And the libraries can lose all of their funding. Wow. I'm like, what? <laughs> Luckily, there are people that are fighting against it. Like PEN America, they, they stand for freedom of expression and stuff. So they're... Definitely. It's kind of like the PETA of freedom expression. And they, they're they the ones that are really like campaigning about how wrong this can be. I don't know if anyone, wants, I don't know if anyone is political, if they want to get involved, like a vote of no, but I just think that people should be aware that libraries are made to provide information, not to censor you. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad for Missouri right now. I have so much to say about this. (laughs) No, go for it. Dive in. So the first thing is like when they talk about developing a parental board review board, you have to think about who's going to be on that review board. People who can afford to have um, 
one parent mm-hmm. who can sit on a board like that, who mm-hmm. have the resources to get to those kinds of meetings and um, to have the time off of work and uh, have childcare and all of those things. So it's talking about marginalizing an already underserved portion of the population, because that's going to be rich, upper middle class white people for the most part, probably religious conservative people as well, just based on, you know, the Southern half of the United States is kind of how that goes. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's erasing a portion of people's histories in, in my mind, because yeah. that board's going to decide who they want, what books they want to pass. And um, I think we've seen time and time again in history that um, when we don't um, care about diversity in our representation, it ultimately means exclusion for uh, the majority mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, it just creates ignorance. Yeah. I have a lot when of you have so many feelings, yeah. but also like my job as a librarian was to run a teen center. And the one thing that was good about my particular library is that our teen center was separated. So we were above everybody else and nobody could get in. So if you weren't between 12 and 18, you could not come in. So people would come up there looking for books that they knew they couldn't have, but they were things they needed to know, like kids wanting to know about like health things that their parents were like, you don't need to know about that. And sometimes you just need to know or kids that might be struggling with their sexuality, getting a book that, you know, makes them feel better or depression and anxiety. And they would have to like hide it from their parents and stuff. But if you take away their ability to seek out information, like it it just could have horrible ramifications for like mental health and safety and just, I say this as like a former child and not as a parent because I am a step parent, but like I don't parent in the same way people. I'm not saying this from that position as somebody who's been a kid before and a kid who like had lots of questions about things and I didn't have the resources that I felt like I needed. Like mm-hmm. y'all stop trying to hide stuff from your kids. It's going to make them more suspicious. Literally my family has like, when you aren't open with information it, it makes it seem like there's even more there to hide. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like my family will create a conspiracy theory over literally anything. If you're not like a hundred percent with them. And I, like, I've come to realize that I think, you know, a lot of people are that way. So like, don't hide stuff from your kids. You're only going to make it worse. And like um, fortune Femster does a really good stand up bit about she didn't know she was gay until she was like 26 years old. Like, she just thought she was bad at dating men. She didn't understand like, because she had never had that representation. You're Mm -hmm. not ever going to stop your kids from being who they are. You're just going to like delay their satisfaction and who they are and ruin Mm -hmm. a portion of their life. So sorry. about (laughs) She's hilarious, by the way. I enjoy her. Me? Oh, fortune. Oh, well, you you too. And you. <laughs> I was like, am I hilarious? I was so excited. But I do like Fortune Pepster. She's so funny. No, no, no. You, well, and you definitely were hilarious. Like last night, you made me laugh a lot. And Good. So, no. Yeah. Uh, but I agree. I had so many kids that, you know, have to hide a lot from their parents. And I just thought, like, if we didn't have these books available, where would they be? Because they have nobody to talk to or nowhere to go. And, like, what parents would get mad. We got yelled at a lot because we're like, why would you let him check this out and be like, I can't censor. Not my yeah. job. <laughs> what an unfortunate yeah. place parents put you guys in for things like that, too. Like, that's not oh, your yeah. job to police them. And 
Mm-hmm. I think it would be, you know, because the other part of that, too, is like, I think it's kind of inappropriate to like police other people's children in that manner. Like, you don't know them. You don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, that would be yeah. if they tried to stop you from doing something, then that would or if you tried to stop them from doing something, then that would also be a problem. I feel like parents, yeah. when they get, I don't know, too, too strong of a hold on their kids like that, it, it just like mm-hmm. it, it just made strict parents make tricky tricky kids well we had a lot of parents that were like if i can't be up here with my kid she can't be up here and i'd have to be like well i'm sorry then both of you have to leave and they would be so like clutch my pearls how dare you like like how dare you like not let me sit up here and i'm like this is the one space where kids got to be kids without adults like hanging over them judging them because like the energy would go out the second adult came in because they felt judged and thought they were gonna yell at which some of them did but you know it's, I totally love that you guys had that available at the library. Yeah, I I, that was the best awesome thing. thing is libraries to do that. I think to be a teenager is hard. And I know like when I was a teen- teenager, it sucked, but we didn't have cell phones and we didn't have the internet. So we didn't have no, all that so shit, old. like bullying and like, yeah, it was, it was bad. <laughs> but we also couldn't torment each other the way kids can torment each other yeah. now. So it's, it's, it's just terrifying the things you would see and hear there from kids. Just, but I mean, a lot of the books is, my personal mantra, when I got to the library, they had like 10 books. So I was the first librarian in that department that stayed. Everybody quit. But my my whole mantra was like every my library should offend everybody equally. So there should yeah. be like no group of people that is not offended by the books I get. So that was always my mantra. So like religious people had every religion, you know, sexuality mm-hmm. had everything on the spectrum. And I'm like, if you're pissed oh, off, I'm doing it right. <laughs> What's funny is like it's not even like the sexuality or religion. Like people just even hate Harry Potter or yeah. um, my pa- I, like that one time I had a parent complain about Matilda because she read it to her four year old. I'm like, well, one, it's not made for a four year old, mm-hmm. and and she didn't like that Matilda that all the adults were mean. She didn't like that Matilda talked back to the parents, and she didn't like the magic. And I'm like, well, the magic's the least part of it. Also. <laughs> I might have you ever thought about the families that are actually in those situations where parents aren't supporting their kids or maybe a teacher that yells a lot and Mm -hmm. unsafe or at least insecure, insecure. And like there there are people that actually do relate to this book. Like, I'm sorry that you don't Mm -hmm. and you like it. If not, go just go watch the movie. Danny DeVito is amazing. I like Danny DeVito. (laughs) Like, fine just watch the movie it's okay yeah i think it's a lack of real empathy in this world where people can't imagine themselves in anybody else's shoes but yeah it's some of those books that people don't understand like even harry potter like is banned constantly but you know somebody can just relate to a kid being treated like shit and then finding out he's special and strong and he saves the world like some people really connect with those characters and okay so I think um, you pointed out a really important core issue there, which is that like people are offended by the things in the book, like magic and back talking, but they're not concerned about the child abuse. Jesus, that's kind of what the damn story is about. Like the, the point is to, to show representation for that. And, and for people, for underserved, underprivileged people who have been abused or have been, you know, lost in the system. Like, if you really think about what Harry Potter is, Harry Potter is a kid who, like, would have gotten lost in the foster system. And, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. he 
was horribly abused for years and people are like but it has magic like be upset about about the child abuse and like why so many people relate to a main character who suffers such such significant tragedies and the same with matilda Mm -hmm. or you know a lot of those books that people have take issue with they're not like how dare somebody have a damn problem with Anne Frank? You know what I'm saying? Like the whole <laughs> yeah. point is to expose yourself to something that should make you feel uncomfortable, and they're mm-hmm. they're feeling uncomfortable because of masturbation. But really, they're choosing to ignore the goddamn Holocaust. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was like. That's my biggest thing. If you're not uncomfortable. That. You're not learning. So if you're always in your comfort zone, you're not making yourself learn anything. But also, like Harry Potter and those books. Are the first ones that I remember where like there's significant tragedy and loss, and it's not a happy ending for the most part. Like, everybody dies, and that's like real life. Like you can't stop it; things happen. You and the way they grieve and stuff. I think that's important for a lot of people because a lot of people lose stuff when they're young. And then if you're reading books where everybody has this happy ending and everybody lives, like it's not realistic. Oh, I know. It makes me think of this. Um, we have there's a section of picture books that are about death and like losing a family member or losing a dog or something oh my gosh and like there's one that was so it was so heartbroken it was like an old farmer fox that had an old dog and his dog died and and i was it was like like the dog died on like page four and so it was all of dealing with him passing and how to deal with the grief after it and stuff and so it ended oh, okay, yeah. but it like, oh man, it was my my band that book. <laughs> That's <laughs> sad. It is, it is. Let me start a fight I'm, with somebody. I'm ready to argue about this. <laughs> I saw a really good interview. It's totally it has nothing to do with this. But we talked about Kristen Good Place, so Kristen Bell. But she was on an interview and she was talking about how they never lied to their kids. Like they made an agreement from day one that if our you know, our kids ask us a question, we're gonna tell them the truth. So mm-hmm. I guess Dak Shepard's dad is, was dying and they knew he was dying and they knew he had like six months to live because he had, I think, cancer or something. So the little one's like, is Pop-Pop dying? And they were like, yeah. So and then she's like, well, what happens to him? So they explain like, well, we're going to you know, have a funeral and we bury him and stuff. And she's like, okay. And like they talked to her and she wasn't too freaked out. And then he did die and she was packing. They were like, get all your stuff. And she packed like a shovel from her like, sandbox oh. and they were like what are you doing she's like well i want to help bury him and they were like well i guess it's kind of sweet she's either a sociopath or she just you know the you know the young ones trying to help the older ones pass off into yeah. like peacefulness she's like or she's a sociopath <laughs> man i gotta say that's probably a good kid who's like well shit i guess i gotta bury some bodies i'm in yeah it's helpful so i really about think that's it. so cool yeah, yeah, I hope my kid, if he ever thinks I killed somebody or like we had to bury a body, he'd be into it. Yeah. Calls me Steven, yeah, though. Not. I don't think he. I don't think he You're likes like, me. Whose car are we gonna take? Got this. Yeah. <laughs> but also think about that too. It's good to have a conversation. Like, okay, let him check out that book, and then y'all either read it together or. Mm. Uh, it's and it's much better to have a conversation with them before they find out through YouTube or. Some yeah. sort of social thing too. It's fine, people. Just talk to your kids. Just yeah, that's another them. thing I never understood. People want to control what their kids know, and by doing that, they just don't tell them things. And it's like you, you could have a lot more 
hands-on action if you just talk to them and like answered their questions instead of just letting them wildly speculate yeah yeah and usually when kids are asking that's that's a sign like okay we're ready to learn this now mm-hmm. yeah um, like when, when my birth mother died i was probably about four about five or six when i really started asking questions and so my mom took it like okay now we should get out all the scrapbooks and like everything about her and like really go into what happened versus just like a, a vague knowledge so that, I, I think that's really important. Like when your kids start asking questions, I say this, but I'm never going to have kids. Let me be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as a librarian, I'm like, talk, just talk to your damn kids about shit. Okay? Don't expect me to do it and don't find me. Don't that's send um, me to jail. <laughs> your mom handling that, that's really sad and really beautiful at the same time. But also like... Um, I think we've all said now that we don't plan on having kids, but like we've all been kids before. So I think yes. like we're kind of experts and I think that's on important. that part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that was important for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really, really remember this. Mom just told me about that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. about Heather. Because in my memory, like it's just always been there. It's always been a yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I um, love that. Because I you can't so- probably. Oh, what were you saying? Well, it probably you probably were able to be exposed to it in a way that wasn't horribly tragic to you and traumatic, mm-hmm. and you got yeah. to experience this thing. And I don't know why we act like emotions are a bad thing. Like I just just let, let be emotional, guys. Yeah. Cry it out every now and then. It feels great. Yeah. Well, just saying, I've seen it from the flip side because my best friend died and her baby was eight months old. So mm-hmm. seeing how they never kept it from her so like she always talked about like mama wins in heaven mama wants a butterfly and then mama too is her grandma who adopted her so she still calls her mom but there was never a moment where she's like oh i was lied to or oh i never knew she was like there's never a time she didn't know that you know her mom was her mom loved her but her mom was gone yeah Mm -hmm. like seeing her grow up that way same thing as like you both have turned out so wonderful and you weren't like scarred unless you just gotta like be honest. I don't need that is one thing I don't need therapy for. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Like it's okay. It sucks, but it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean sometimes, sometimes life sucks. Fun, yeah. yeah. It does. It sucks for everybody. Yeah. Um you know, but it's part of life, I guess. Yay, we all die. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are back. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I know. Watching the Good Place, I'm like, I kind of hope this is how the afterlife is because it was so peaceful. <laughs> but I'm like, if you ever just sit and think about like what happens, what if nothing happens, you'll go nuts. So, I'm yeah. totally cool if nothing happens. Like, I'm trying to live my best life here on Earth and like be the most productive I can and um, take naps in between being the most productive <laughs> I can. So, oh, mm-hmm. that's the way to that's the way to do it. Sounds like me. That's a good goal. <laughs> Since we were talking about books, Carrie, are you reading anything right now? Yeah, I posted it in the group. Um, It's called Moral Compass of the American Lawyer. It's actually like the second time I've read it, I think. I I read it the first time when I was in school working on my bachelor's degree. And um, I just recently decided I was going to reread it just because I, you know, saw it in my cabinet. And I was like, it's been a minute. So let's see. Um, So (laughs) it's really cool to reread a book like that because it's definitely an educational book but it reads like a like a good nonfiction. 
it's like it's nice to see how how my thoughts and things have changed since I read it the first time and also I didn't realize or really appreciate rather how much um my opinion on legal ethics was based on that book because I had read it at an early point in my legal education so Oh cool. I don't know you just read The Giver to yeah. the all version. Awesome. Mm-hmm. The art was super cool. Um, it's a lot shorter than the original book. Not that the original book was that long, but they take out a lot of the descriptors because it's a graphic novel. And um, it was a great read. F- full disclosure, I totally bought that book for my brother when he was in jail. And he <laughs> loved it. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. And then what is the one that your aunt wrote? That Unfettering Orion. She yes. has another one, When Freedom Turned Green. And I read When Freedom Turned Green, but I haven't read Unfettering Orion yet. That one sounded really interesting. Like, I would want to read that one. Okay. Um, I'm going to see if the, our library will buy it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty her, – her writing style is really interesting. And it – we didn't grow up – like, I didn't grow up close with a lot of my family, like physically, because we moved to Arkansas when I was like 11 or 12 or whatever. Um, and most of my family was back in Oregon. So I didn't have that same familial ties that a lot of people do. But the way she writes feels like a familiar narration to me. And I'm not sure if it's just, you know, extended family over years or whatever. But it, it makes it really easy for me to read because it feels like my own stream of conscience. Yeah, it's really awesome. Fantastic artist, by the way. She does paintings and whatnot. Oh, and, like, she's an amazing artist. Oh, Her name cool. is Mary James, and she does. She goes by Mary Stellar sometimes because um, she's had a couple of. Um, she's been married, um, but she's she's a pretty cool person. She's she's real fascinating too. She's got tons of stories about just hitchhiking across the country and um, just like being a flower child, kind of. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I like that. Um, you said you were binging our episodes. Have you had a favorite one yet or, or a moment that stuck out? I can't remember the guest's name, but she's in Japan. Her husband, they just PCS there. Yeah, Audrey. She was hilarious. You guys all played <laughs> together really well. I I just adored that. And I, you know, I was working on that big painting with the bear and stuff that I showed you. I listened mm-hmm. to those episodes while I was doing a lot of detail work on the painting, you know, where you like get like super into it and you're like laser mm-hmm. focused. So like I needed the sound distraction of the podcast a lot to keep me, I don't know, I my brain, as you guys can see, I'm like fiddling around a lot. I can't sit still. Like <laughs> I, okay. I need to be active and stuff. I need to... I need a lot of distractions. So having having the podcast going and like just having like legitimate belly laughs from it while I'm like <laughs> painting and focusing on that was awesome. It was great. Oh, uh, have you watched her drunk dive yet? Oh my god, it's so funny. No, I haven't. I haven't actually watched any of the videos except part of the one from last night <laughs> because I'm vain. <laughs> well, no, and then. Yeah. I do that too sometimes. Like I have to go back and I'm like, all right, what kind of facial expression did I have during yeah. this thing? And I hope it's not terrible or does it look like I'm totally checked out? So no, I have those moments. It's okay. <laughs> I basically just played a few portions for my husband and I was like, hey, make sure I don't look stupid, please. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> tell me if fine. I did something wrong. And he's like, oh no, you did great. I think you're, you know, good job, kid. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. I think you probably are more professional than us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad somebody thinks I'm professional. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you guys want to hear a quick little weird tale of uh, my life as a private investigator, real quick? Yes. Um, please. Okay. Yes. So they do it a lot in Veronica Mars. I posted this on, it was like the very first post on my Facebook business page was a meme about this too. <laughs> so in Veronica Mars, they like put tracking devices on everybody's cars and like bug people's offices and home and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yo, that shit is illegal. That's why cops have to have a court order to do it. You can't just do it. Like <laughs> if, if you hire, if you go talk to a private investigator and they're like, yeah, I'll go bug that random person's car or, you know, whatever, get away from them. Like I've literally seen private investigators get lose their license. I was going to say debarred, but I don't think that's the right term. <laughs> But I, I mean, like, I personally know somebody who lost their license for that. And not only will you lose your license, you'll be charged with like criminal, uh, criminal charge for like harassment or stalking probably too. So like, oh, wow. if you call a private investigator and they're like, no, I'm not going to stalk this person for you. I'm not going to put a bug on their car and follow them into somebody's house and take pictures. And then you call two other private investigators who say the same thing. Maybe it's time to accept that that's just not what private investigators do. And maybe you should stop trying to pay people to stock of somebody like. <laughs> but they saw it on TV. <sighs> so I had a, I had a lot of phone calls today that were interesting about um, stalking somebody. So <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. <laughs> Okay, I would imagine. So ethics are important, and I'm really glad I'm rereading that book right now. So I know it's not okay to stalk people. Yeah. I mean, check that off the list of what not to do. (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. I know it's pretty bad when I see people use um, that show, You, as an example. Like, here's Joe burying a body, and he still can text me back. And I'm like, no. Let's... uh, (laughs) That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, let's yeah. reel back there. That's not a good boyfriend. <laughs> gonna murder you. <laughs> no. Everybody's like, oh, he's so hot. And I'm like, no, stop it. I haven't watched it. I, it's good. I have like a sick of like a need to absorb a lot of true crime stuff, but sometimes I just like have to reject the mainstream because I feel like I'll probably be way too critical of it and I'll be like, this is so unrealistic and I won't yeah. be able to appreciate what it is i've never met a serial killer and i'm not saying i mean like obviously there are serial killers but like come Mm. on can we just like let's focus on the more important shit like they're not as many their serial killers are the main problem yeah i found it interesting because it was from his perspective but also that he didn't think he was a serial killer because like Mm. dexter knew it but he's all like no it's all justified i'm doing it for them like Mm. He was I like a vigilante. Yeah, that's what he thought. Yeah. He thought he was. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, vigilantes are still criminals. Just putting it out there. Yeah, a lot of backlash from friends and family in the past six months or so for posting political opinions and whatnot on on the internets. And um, I, I I was getting really upset about it. I was like, they don't love me, and I don't like <laughs> them. You know, I, I was. Yeah. I was really having lots of feelings about it because people don't just say, hey, I disagree with you. They say yeah, they get really, violent. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. 
I don't know. I could talk for hours about toxic masculinity and how it's ruining white ra- male rage. Have you guys seen that from SNL? Yes. <laughs> the white yet. male rage on Twitter. She's like, she's like, I'm going to sing a song about the Grammys, and she describes all the movies and or not Grammys. I don't know one of the award shows. Oscars. And it's, Oscars. And um, she describes the movies and then follows it with white male rage. She's like playing a ukulele and or some stringed instrument. Yeah, Perfect. she's talking about all the nominees and mm-hmm. then even like little women. And she was like, and she was snubbed because white male rage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I have a, I could go on for a long time about that too. I probably can make some songs too. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny how many people got really pissed on Twitter about that. Yeah. Which just proved the point. <laughs> yeah. Like... Come fucking fight me about it. Like, I'm ready for an argument. I don't care if I'm going to hurt your feelings. Well, I don't want to hurt your feelings. That's not the point. The point is, I don't care if you hurt my feelings. Damn it. Stop or talking it's... about that bullshit. Let's get back to this podcast about yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good seg- segue. <laughs> <laughs> Had a chance to travel at all to any cool places, or have you mostly just been working and staying where you are? I haven't gone anywhere great recently, but I've been to Canada before and a couple of the coolest places. Canada. What did you get to do? So we went to Winnipeg on our fourth wedding anniversary, I think it was. Yeah, last year. So fourth. And, um, Winnipeg, it's cold in March, uh, and I live in North Dakota, so if I'm saying it's cold, it means it's really cold. <laughs> um, it was, we went to a symphony where they did, uh, it was a really cool projection of, like, NASA photos mm-hmm. presented on, like, this huge screen and really good quality, and they had, like, the, uh, a symphony, uh, an orchestra playing um, music to illustrate the photos or I don't know I'm doing a bad job explaining this but it was really cool I thought it was awesome and um, yeah. we ate so much food I can't <laughs> even wrap my head around it we just hung out and ate food in Canada and we have a friend who um, when he got out of the Air Force moved up there and he goes to school there so we got to like hang out with him a little bit and it was pretty cool and his um, I don't know lady friend i don't know if they're married or not i don't know if it's weird to not know that about friends but hashtag air force veteran things <laughs> so. that sounds like a nice little trip though so chill and cool and i would love to talk about the symphony and whatnot it was super cool uh, my, my so tom's a musician you know and he just really appreciates all sorts of different music and um i knew i wanted to take him on this trip to like do some sort of cool music thing. Um, but we live in North Dakota again, I should say, and there's not a lot of cool <laughs> stuff. Um, and then I got this idea about the the orchestra, about being able to see people play the instruments, um, because that's like his favorite thing in the world is to just watch other people play instruments and then like appreciate their technique or criticize the hell out of him. Yeah, that's about how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> But they were really good, so he really just appreciated it the entire time. Mm-hmm. And um, we got ice cream during the intermission, and uh, that basically was the best day of my husband's life. Like music and ice cream. <laughs> that's all I mean. Oh, I mean, that that's fun to me too. It does. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a really good time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've yeah. never been to Canada. I really want to go. It just seems so beautiful. And we have it- a lot of listeners from Canada, so hello. 
Hello, Canadians, <laughs> neighbors. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening to our mini of many gabs. And thank you, Carrie, for joining us. Um, so I guess what have we learned? Um, be pissed off about censorship of books. And mm-hmm. potatoes are important. Potatoes <laughs> are important. If you visit Frederick the Great, bring a potato. Mm-hmm. Please send listener stories. Uh, oh, yes. Pod at Gmail. Is it pod? Historically a pod uh-huh. at Gmail. Kind of thing. That's a thing. Please that send things. Thing. Um, because we love to read the stories and find out all about your towns and secrets and stuff that won't be secret anymore. But we like. Yeah. Secrets. And it'll be March. So if you have any cool, like, St. Patrick's Day Irish stories. Ooh. And then we need born. more ghosts. <laughs> I just need stories. I've been doing research on a place in town and I've just been obsessing over it and like asking people and like, tell me more about your ghosts. <laughs> that sounds creepy, especially if you whisper like that. Oh, like, I know. You are, you are the stalker of ghosts. I am. Well, Wait like the, this place that I found is right next to Magnolia. Magnolia is like, we're the most haunted place in Texas. And I'm like, well, this place seems just as haunted. So I don't, can't comprehend why. Equal opportunity for ghosts, I guess, is what I'm fighting for. I think all of them are all important. Right. <laughs> all right. Rights for everything and everybody. Oh, I love her face <laughs> when I say dumb shit like that. <laughs> She's like, fucking Keena. <laughs> She's supportive, though. Yeah, She's supportive. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not arguing. I'm just like, here we go yeah. again. <laughs> no, I'm a... Yeah, I'm like obsessed with it and I'm trying to buy it, but I'm poor. So it's a it's a whole thing. Buying a business is a lot of work. Yeah. Starting yeah, a business. I would, is a lot own, of work. I would love to own my own studio, like an all in one studio where we teach art classes, maybe have a gallery wall, and maybe some drum lessons, some music lessons. Oh, there. you're really cool. It's like a full on studio, but that shit's expensive. So, yeah. Well, that's and a really cool a- idea, though. I could totally see you running that. That would be awesome. Yeah. yeah, like have a couple of study music rooms that are soundproof for, and hire some musicians to teach lessons. And then like here in this, stu- this studio room, we're doing art classes and have parties and whatnot. And then have like a gallery wall where local Ooh. artists find their art and whatnot. That yeah. seems like a cool place to host a party too. That would be the dream. Maybe yeah. someday. <laughs> but Kate, when we end this episode, can we end it on her hiccup? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like okay, bye. Uh, and then cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. Do you guys want to sell that as a ringtone? Because I would love it if you did. <laughs> yes. Yes. And be, no, it needs to go back and forth between. Uh, uh, like, <laughs> yeah. Go back and forth between the two. Yes. <laughs> you know, you need a sound now. Uh, I, oh, yeah. Well, actually, you put your little yeah, put your little jazziness, and then we go. But back and forth in our rhythms, so. yeah, my scat scat too jazzy. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah, we didn't say bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>